Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everybody. It's Lizzie Langston here. Newly a mom of four. Can I? I'm going to just keep practicing saying that. In today's episode, you're going to hear me share my birth story because I decided that it's time. Um, my birth with my fourth baby did not go as planned, which, you know, to previous ones did go as planned. Two of the three previous ones did. And this one for sure, surely did not, not in any way, shape or form go as planned. So I'm going to share with you how I went from a home birth to switching at 35 weeks pregnant with my fourth to an OBGYN practice and planning on a hospital induction. And then the baby even came earlier than the induction date and I had an emergency C-section. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out to find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three, and a certified life coach, Lizzie Langston. Man, I really need to update that intro, huh? It still says mom of three. Isn't it cute how I keep talking about that? It's just so crazy. I have four kids. So for those who are new around here, my name's Lizzie and I sound super chipper maybe, but, and I am actually, I'm really happy. And also it's been a rough five weeks. I'm not going to hide it. I am the postpartum coach. I am, if there's anyone that knows how hard postpartum is, it's me because I talk to postpartum women a lot, all the time, actually. In fact, I love doing it. Um, And so I get to see firsthand the victories and the hardships of this very interesting, very specific, very niched, very unique and challenging time in a woman's life. Before I share my birth story, which I think you're going to find fascinating. I don't know why it is that we're all so, we are, all of the moms are like fireflies drawn to light with the birth stories of each other. It's just fascinating. And I'm just going to forewarn you, I have not had the most tranquil, lovely birth situations. And I do say words like blood and hemorrhage and OR and emergency and stuff like that in this episode, just, just so you know. It was just my destiny. I don't know. That's that's my theory and I'm sticking to it. Okay. I had my natal chart read to me by an astrologist that I deeply trust. And she was like, if there was ever going to be a postpartum coach, <laughs> it would be you. And I'm not saying that to discount other women that work in the postpartum realm or men. I'm just saying that my story birthed me into this space for sure. Makes tons of sense why I'm here. 
And so without further ado, I am going to get to that, but in just a minute, because I have to read to you a review, you guys. Somebody left me a new review, and I don't know if you know, but I get really excited. I think you know by now how excited I get about new podcast reviews. So if you are new around here, I would so love it if you left me a review on this podcast. All you do is when you're in your iTunes or Apple Podcasts app on your phone, you just scrolled, you like you click my podcast, so you go into the Postpartum Coach Podcast, you go down to all past like the five or six that they show you. And then, you know, you can click see all of the 200 and so many episodes that I have. You go past that to rating and reviews. You can either tap to rate and just do the stars. What I prefer though, is right under the reviews that are there, you'll see the little button with a little square and a pencil in it. And it says, write a review. And if you would just click that and write me a review, I think it's fun because you get to pick the title of your review, the stars, and you get to make yourself a fancy little screen name. So this one comes from Danielle M913. She left it in May 2023 and it's called Validation. It's five stars. I'm so grateful to you, Danielle. She said, I had a baby boy on February 6th. I have been struggling with postpartum. I decided to search for postpartum podcasts. It suggested this one to me and I have been listening to it for two to three nights now. This podcast has helped things make so much more sense to me. I am forever grateful to have found this podcast. I love it. Thank you so, 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 so much. Um, the last reviews that I see in here were from like October and August, 2022. So you want to do me a favor? I would so love it. I will read yours if you leave me a review. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Alrighty. So I had a baby on May 24th. Her due date was June 15th. How did this happen? (laughs) I know this does happen, but 36 weeks and six days, that's when she came. So technically my daughter, Ren Elizabeth, technically she is a late preemie baby. I mean, she's not anymore because guess what? She's almost eight pounds now. I'm so proud of her and us. I tell her all the time. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of us because I am, because it was really quite hard and scary and challenging. And there was some anxiety and there was some unforeseen events and also miracles, also amazing. I'm not even just saying this, you guys, amazing women around me, um, both in the surgery room. That's probably not what it's called. What's it called? The OR, (laughs) the operating room. And then in the hospital, the nurses that served me, Oh, it's so good. It was so easy. I mean, I keep saying easy. That's not true. I don't know why. Why is my body saying it's so easy? I keep having this Freudian. Was it easy? Did we think it was easy? I don't think it's been easy. Why do we keep saying that? I don't know. Probably because I'm tired, but actually I've been getting decent sleep. So there are so many things I want to talk to you guys about. I want you to know that in the future episodes coming down the pipeline, you're in for some good content, my friends, because I know a lot about postpartum and I'm also a human and in it with you. And so I am so excited to teach on some things. I'm also excited to not just teach, but share some real stuff. So this episode is definitely just kind of the real stuff. So let me start with a complete confession. Okay. I have a confession to make. When I found out I was pregnant, which I found out October 9th, 2022, we were so excited. We've been trying for a few months. When I found out, I was I was thrilled, honestly, and I had been having some dreams about a baby girl. I've had these dreams. I've had about three dreams with her, and it's been over the course of maybe three years. So we were pretty sure that there was another one. We just, we couldn't even think about it. You know, when your hands are so full, you just 
don't, you just can't, you can't even think about it. It's like when you've just finished a huge meal and somebody shows you dessert and you're like, I I just ate a meal and dessert. And if you keep that close to my face, I might vomit all over you. That's kind of how I felt about how we, my husband and I felt about having a fourth child. So we actually took a five and a half year break. (laughs) And during that five and a half year break, I feel like this is important context for you to know. I did something that I feel like directly contributed to my happiness and thriving in this postpartum, even though it's been hard and I have had meltdowns, big ones, and I will be sharing those. (laughs) My OB has promised to get on my podcast and she has also promised to embarrass me and share how I melted down in her office. So don't worry, you'll hear all the human things. But during that five and a half years, what I did is I found my life's purpose. I found my outlet. I found my zone of genius. I found that thing that I do that when I do it, time could be frozen and I wouldn't know it because it it doesn't feel like time's passing and happening. And that is coaching. It is coaching people and guiding meditations and guiding yoga and all of that, the wellness space and specifically just helping women process emotion in their body, getting out of their head, getting down into their body. When I say coaching, there's so many things that come to mind. So I have to feel like I have to specify because my approach, if you go to my website, which is just lizzylangston.com, the link's always in the show notes. And if you go there, you'll see that my three main words, actually, I'm like, what are they? Well, okay. It's body centered and it's holistic and it's gentle. And I don't even, what the, I'm going to have to look up my stuff. Hold on. Okay. It says body led, intuitive and real. And those are all true. I think I used to have holistic on there too. It's another one, but you know, I tried to pick three. (laughs) I don't know the business owner thing. That's what they say. Pick three words for your brand. Anyway, owning a business is, is an afterthought. My main vibe is helping moms. Okay. So business, you ask my clients, sometimes I'm like, how many sessions have you done again? (laughs) I am not a perfect business owner, but I am a damn good coach and a damn good mother. All right. So moving on, I'll slow down. I just watched the help and it just, I just love that movie so much. I love it so much. And sometimes after I listen to it, I want to talk in that Mississippi vibe that they do. It's amazing. So anyway, um, in the next, in the last five and a half years since having my third, which by the way, I had post, and I'm not going to go into my whole postpartum story. I'm going to get to the birth story here in just a second. So, but I had my third, my three babies in four years. And during that time I tried like, um, dabbling in some little side jobby hobbies, you know, direct sales kind of social selling situations. Um, but it was after my two mental health crises. So I had really bad birth trauma, I did get to deliver vaginally, but I did hemorrhage and lost a quarter of my body's blood supply and almost died in the hospital with my first baby. Then my second baby, no physical complications, but I had a lot of PTSD and a lot of postpartum anxiety and depression after my second. And then after my third, same situation, we actually switched up. We went to a birth center. We did a unmedicated birth. It was amazing. I birthed my third baby, Amos, in the bathtub at Willow Birth Center in Mesa, Arizona. It was so beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The song that I wrote for my children came on. I wrote in recorded a song. I write and record songs. Sometimes you can go to Lizzie Langston on Spotify or iTunes and get my album if you want and check it out. Stream the music. I make so many millions guys, so many millions. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Um, so anyway, it was so beautiful, but, um, then yeah, I had a really bad, another crash anxiety and depression after my third. And I was like, that's it. 
I told God, I was like, listen, if you get me out of this, I will spend my life helping women do this. And it wasn't like a, a, you know, a prison sentence. It was like, I, I want to, I feel so passionate that women need to have guidance and nobody should feel this low without this amount of help. Oh, I just recently heard the other day that an influencer had twins. And then like within a couple days, she had been reaching out and telling people she'd felt depressed and no one really did anything. And she didn't know what to do apparently and took her own life. And I was so shocked. And at the same time, I wish I was more surprised, but I hear these stories. It's you guys like, this is real. This is real. This is real stuff real stuff. And me in my business as a life coach, maybe my practice isn't the perfect fit for every woman out there, but I do want every woman out there to know what this stuff is, to be able to recognize the symptoms and their partners for goodness sake, to be able to recognize the symptoms and then to be able to go get help. So I got started on a healing journey after I had those three kids in four years and the two mental health, postpartum anxiety and depression, PTSD crises. Basically, postpartum is a challenging time for my body ever since I hemorrhaged because almost dying apparently really freaks your body out, even if your mind is like in a really great place. Your body remembers. Have you ever heard that phrase, your body keeps the score? Oh my gosh, I just saw a butterfly out my window and butterflies are the sign between me and my grandma, Haycock. So I just want to say hi, grandma. Oh, I love you. It's so good to to be with you, grandma. Okay. So yeah, found my passion, found my purpose. I started a podcast because I love talking. If you can't tell, I actually really love writing and I write my podcast episodes typically and, um, started this business and I've been coaching ever since. So that was 20, the end of 2018. I got certified through the life coach school. All right, moving on. Let's talk about this baby. So I find out I'm pregnant September 9th, 2022. And I don't go into the doctor. I don't even, I kind of go into a place of indecision for a minute. I'm like, am I going to go to this place or this place? Am I going to do the birth center like I did last time? And I thought, no, you know, I think I want to do a home birth, but then I needed to figure out, okay, there's a few different people that can do home births, midwives, midwifery places, which one? So then I had to do some of that research and I'm doing all this all while my son is we had just got him diagnosed on the autism spectrum that same month. And now we were gearing up to do private in-home therapy for him to get him some support with some of his life skills um, around the same time. So when push came to shove, I didn't actually get in to see a provider until December. Now that might not sound too long to you, but I went to the birth center and saw them for one appointment. And then I decided I wanted to do a home birth. So then I had to do research and I don't think I even met with the home birth people to like, mm, I really don't know, maybe February. So at this point I'm due in June. So March, April, May, June. So kind of late into my pregnancy, I get started with help. So that's like wrong thing to do. Number one, by the way, (laughs) but it's, I could see that how it's really common for a, a baby, a fourth baby and a fourth pregnancy with a mom that's got three kids a newly diagnosed son on the autism spectrum. So I'm giving myself some credit. I'm like rubbing my shoulder right now. I'm like, it's okay, honey. You had a lot going on. (laughs) Um, So eventually I get with East Valley midwifery, Crystal Pena. She was incredible. She's a uh, licensed midwife here in Arizona. And I loved loved her, loved her team. I worked with them for the bulk of my pregnancy. I worked with them from probably 22 weeks until about 35 weeks. And that whole time, my husband and I were planning on, I did get him on board. He wasn't on board for a home birth at first. And we had to kind of do our research and get educated. 
Um, and that's not something I'm going to go into right now, but if you do want to learn more about the real statistics behind home births, I do have a couple recommendations of accounts to follow. And I want to give them shout outs. If this is something you're researching, the first thing you can do is go to the doing it at home podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes. Those are my friends, Matthew and Sarah Bivens, and they are awesome people. They've been so good and kind to me and they are advocates of home births. They've had a couple home births and they um, have a whole podcast about doing it at home. So there's a great research research for you. You can have that research. Oh, it's for free. And then there's a couple accounts on social media that if you want those, come find me. I'll tell you. Just DM me on Instagram. I'm lizzie.postpartumcoach. Um, but you know what? I'll just, yeah, I don't, ugh, social media. I don't like to bring social media really onto the podcast. So go check out that podcast first and foremost. All right. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right. So I'm like going about my business, planning for a home birth, getting kind of excited. I'm getting pretty big. I mean, 35 weeks. I'm five weeks. That's one month and one week out from my due date, which could very easily be two to three weeks out from my due date, right? That's a pretty normal time reference. People usually deliver anywhere from two weeks prior to a week after the due date. So I was pretty close to that finishing line. And some blood work reports that somehow it, it it's a long story, but basically we had been waiting on some information and some records to get to us, uh, me, be, like my husband and the providers and I, and they never really did get there. We thought that there were these reports and they actually weren't in existence. And so we had to hurry and get some tests done before the deadlines for these tests that a pregnant mom is supposed to have done by law. So we hurried and got those done. And unfortunately, some of the results that came back were a little bit surprising to everyone. I, I'm i like having this interesting... It's been really hard. I'm going to be real with you. It was very challenging. I grieved for probably a for sure 24 hours, if not a couple days, I had to talk through it with friends and close people in my life and just really let go. My ego had such a strong hold on. I want, I'm a crunchy granola mom. I identify as a crunchy granola woman. Kind of proud of that. I'm not super, super crunchy granola as maybe some, but I do like to kind of go about things kind of natural. And honestly, I looked at my records of not my actual medical records, but I looked at my past of the babies I've had and how it went. And none of them were exactly how I wanted, except for that third one in the birth center. And I got a little eager and excited. And I thought, I want to do it at home. And I'd heard beautiful experiences of women doing it at home. And I considered myself low risk. 
until these blood tests came in and they were not low risk. So you might be curious what we found and I'll give you like a brief version, but essentially remember when I said I had that that hemorrhage, that postpartum hemorrhage. So with my first baby, I had preeclampsia. They emergency inductioned me <laughs> and uh, I was at 38 weeks and six days. So gratefully had a pretty full term baby, although he was very small, he was quite developed. So he wasn't, didn't have some of the challenges that baby Ren has had because she was only 36 weeks and six days. Those last, those next two weeks, they really make a difference. <laughs> so anyway, with that blood transfusion, they gave me blood that was my same blood type, but there are, I don't know if there's hundreds or tens, I don't know how many, but there are a bunch of markers on your blood cells, your red blood cells, besides just a, you know, O or A negative or B, whatever. I don't even freaking know the blood types. I'm so medically, <laughs> actually, I know a bunch of stuff medically, but uh, not that. I don't know the blood type thing very well. It's kind of embarrassing. So anyway, moving on. Um yeah. So my blood that I was given was the same blood type as me, but it wasn't the perfect fit. And so there were a few markers that hadn't been in existence in my body that were now in existence when I got this new blood in my body with the eight unit blood transfusion that I had after this postpartum hemorrhage. Okay. And we think I hemorrhaged because I was on magnesium. So my uterus couldn't contract magnesium as a muscle relaxant. That's a whole nother thing. And you can go to the episodes at the very beginning of this podcast where I share that birth story. But anyway, so now I have antibodies in my blood and I have a couple different antibodies. And one of them is really the most destructive. If it gets past a certain level in your blood supply, it can actually like attack your baby and their blood supply and like kill your baby. So it's really a bad one. Um, and then there's a couple others that I had. So these were very concerning. They weren't, they call them titratable. They weren't like high enough levels to actually cause damage, but because they had a presence, I basically risked out of a home birth. And I'm not going to go into details because I did my due diligence. I met with two different um, I was going to say hoity-toity. They weren't hoity-toity, but I'm just saying like very, very white coat, like very specialisty perinatologists. And they were the ones that were like, even the pro-home birth, one of them, um, because one was very anti-home birth. And I had a very traumatic experience in her office because I think she just wanted to scare me into a hospital birth. And scare me, she did, my friends. And unfortunately, she kind of leveraged her title and her authority to basically emotionally... <laughs> fear me into like changing my mind. But then I thought, no, 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 hold on. I got my bearings. I talked to some friends. I got a second opinion, but even the second opinion <laughs> after going through all of that emotional work, because my body, you know, anytime she wanted me to tell her about my hemorrhage and anytime I talk about it, like really in depth, especially to a medical provider that I don't have a good relationship with and I don't feel safe with, it is not bueno. So it was like really intense for a day or so after that. Um, but I like got my big girl pants on. I processed all my emotions. I took a big breath. I made the decision to get a second opinion, even though time was running short. It was pretty intense. Like, I mean, the clock was the ticking. And my providers, my my home birth midwives were hanging on. They were like, okay, well, we're not gonna hurry and change our minds because they're very pro home birth. Of course, they've looked at the statistics. They've seen you know the good things that can come from home births with low risk women. 
um, and stuff. But yeah, all, all of us agreed that we, I didn't feel comfortable birthing at home knowing that not only with the antibodies and that my baby could be anemic during the labor process, which, which could create heartbeat issues and could put my baby at risk, but also with these antibodies, if I were to hemorrhage, this means that in order to give me a blood transfusion, I would need a very, very perfect match. I couldn't do a not as perfect match like they did the first time. They'd have to get me this special blood and that would need to be ordered at the hospital. And it just all signs kind of pointed to being in the hospital. So, you know, like I said, I grieved for a couple of days. Um, I had to get over my desire to be a home birth mom. Um, and the hope that I had of having this glorious, like heavenly mother, I don't know. I just was seeking some beautiful, amazing spiritual free birth experience, not completely free, but you know, in my home. And I do grieve to this moment that I didn't get to have that. And I will always probably be a little bit bummed about that because who wants a C-section when you could have that? Am I right? I don't know. Unless maybe actually that's not true. I know some women who genuinely love C-sections because they get to plan it out. They get their makeup on, they get cute photos. Like they, it's a whole thing. And I, you know what? My crunchy self used to judge people like that. I'm not going to lie. I'd be like, why, why would you, why would you intervene if you could just like go vaginally and let your body do its thing? I mean, I tend to be very body centered in my work and in my practice. I, I listen to the body. I feel like I teach my clients and I have worked to learn the language of the body, to interpret the way my body is talking to me. And yet this experience, if there's anything I've learned, it is that the ego, meaning, I don't know, making your birth plan decision from a place of like, I am this kind of a person, whatever. And there's nothing exactly wrong with it, but it, it becomes wrong in my opinion when you use your the way you identify like let's say you're super super granola crunchy you love to birth at home you love to homeschool like cook your own granola literally whatever you do i don't know i don't judge like that's that's kind of me in a nutshell basically i don't homeschool right now but i have but anyway it doesn't matter and <laughs> there's my ego again it's like i'm crunchy so um but i think it is wrong to then go and judge other women's choices because you don't know what fears they're up against you don't know um, their gut intuition. I was talking to my friend McKenna, who is um, amazing. She's such an amazing wellness advocate for women, and especially in the birth f- uh, space and postpartum space. She runs um, Mayora Wellness on Instagram. So go check her out. She's awesome. But anyway, I was talking to her, and she was saying how she has this really, you know, pro home birth friend who felt very instinctively with, I think it was her third baby to, to make sure she was in the hospital for this one and have, um, and have a C-section or even consider like talking to her provider about a C-section and, um, which meant totally switching providers and everything. And anyway, turns out her baby had some complication. And if she hadn't have been getting a C-section, that baby wouldn't have made it. And so it's just so, 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 so important that we don't get too caught up in the ego status of like, oh, and yeah. And by the way, the way we birth should never be a status symbol. Like I kind of feel like when I did my unmedicated third birth, I mean, honestly, I did it for very non-statusy reasons. I really was trying to avoid postpartum depression and anxiety, but I also... And I, I genuinely felt proud of myself afterwards because I prepared, I hired a doula, I worked hard to be able to birth that way I wanted. But what I've come out of this whole experience learning is that not all women get to birth the way that they wanted to. 
And all of us need to be sensitive to that. And we don't know people's reasons for choosing the births that they do. And there is a lot of medical, I'm not going to call it bullying, but there is a, there are a lot of providers who are a little burned out and they're a little bit cut in corners. They're kind of lazy. Um, what I mean by lazy is they're not really wanting to make every single woman feels completely comfortable. Like their heart does, but they're in and out of appointments. They've got quotas to fill to because they're working with people whose insurances are stingy or whatever. I don't know all of the details, but what I do know is that there are a lot of women who struggle to ask for what they want with their provider specifically with OBGYNs. I don't know why it is. And it's for men and women practitioners. I, and I know this because they come to me, (laughs) they're like, they're like, they tell me stories of how their provider just kind of pushed them to do this and this, and they never spoke up. It's called a freeze response. It's called a functional freeze response. And it's so important that we we just don't judge. We don't judge people's choices when they seek medical interventions and they birth a different way than we think is best or safest or healthiest or whatever. So I just wanted to put that out there, both because I think it helps me feel safer in this community, not not like this podcast community, but like just being public with my story. And also um, because I genuinely, my heart has changed and I feel like I need to almost to myself sort of repent or say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I judged women for making choices that they did because the truth is I chose to have an emergency C-section. So let's go to the next chain of events. So I get past 35 weeks and um, we get all this blood work done and I hurry and switch providers. And I switched from East Valley Midwifery to the Center for True Harmony and Wellness. It is Dr. Christine Brass Jones. And she's incredible and spicy and awesome. And her midwife, Hannah Covert has been my uh, mental health midwife. So she's kind of my mental health lady. She prescribes me any antidepressants or anything like that, like any bigger drugs that I would need. She dismissed me from the hospital when it was time to be discharged. Um, so Hannah Covert is amazing. She runs Rising Sun Psychiatry. If you live in Mesa Gilbert or like the East Valley area, highly recommend I also recommend Luna Acupuncture. There's so many things I recommend. So I definitely am probably going to create some um, little documents with some of the providers that I used and that I do recommend. I'm going to be having a couple here on the podcast as well. And then, um, you know, you can always just hit me up and email me, lizzie at lizzielangston.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So yeah, so I switched to... uh <laughs> The OB, Dr. Brass Jones, and 
we decide that because my preeclampsia is flaring up at this point in the pregnancy and my blood pressure is getting high and I had to go into the hospital a couple times because it was over the levels that my doctor considered safe to be at home with. Like it, I was over the 160s, over like the 110s. And I was pretty high blood pressure, past the zone of hypertension, definitely into preeclampsia. So um, if you don't know, preeclampsia is just high blood pressure during pregnancy. And the risk of it is, if you've ever seen Sybil in Downton Abbey, it's seizure. And when you have a seizure, you are you can go brain dead and die. So it's really quite scary, um, not to mention any risks for baby. So I started having really high blood pressure. And guys, it was my humanness really struggled with the idea of dying from a seizure. <laughs> and I um, managed my anxiety really well. The fact that I could go into a hospital after literally having almost bled out in one was just phenomenal. I did so much work to get back into a hospital and I chose to put my body and myself with all my trauma back into that setting to keep me safe and my baby safe because of the way that safety that I, you know, measured the safety with this decision at that time. So I am really proud of all that. And it was really hard. It was, it was a game like my, like Dr. Brass Jones said, it was a game that we were playing and we didn't like the game. It was very yo-yo-y. And so we decided together on a planned induction. So we were still going for a vaginal birth. It was going to be May 28th, but on the morning of May 24th, which was a Wednesday, I I was having a really hard time sleeping that night. I had been with some pretty high blood pressure. We hadn't put me on um, the blood pressure meds that they usually put a pregnant woman on. One of the common ones is labetalol. They hadn't put me on that one yet. They did put put me on it um, intermittently when I was in the hospital for high blood pressure and it did go down. So anyway, we didn't end up using that during the pregnancy um, because we were honestly just thinking that I could make it to the 28th. It was quite a, a while before my actual due date. So we thought we were safe. It was 37 weeks. So it was a whole three weeks early, right? But um, unfortunately I didn't make it. So I had a hard time sleeping the night before. And then that morning I woke up and my kids were all around me. It was like six in the morning and I had only fallen asleep at like four and maybe gotten a few hours somewhere around midnight. And so I just was so tired and I was kind of disoriented and I get up from the beanbag. We have this big, huge beanbag in our living room and I get up and, um, my placenta ruptured partially and, um, there was blood trickling down my leg and I, we went to the hospital really fast. So we took our kids, we packed up, um, we definitely like, we had packed some of the stuff for our hospital bag, but we weren't really in the red zone yet. I had definitely planned for the next three or four days to be doing some podcast episodes and getting things ready so that on the 28th we could go in and I could look pretty and I could have like my newborn photographer and all the things. None of that, none of that, none of that my friends. Did did it happen? No, no, it didn't. So we hurried and took um, all three of our kids over to our neighbor's house at about seven in the morning. And then we packed up our stuff. We hurried and I don't, judge me, don't judge me. I don't know, but we stopped at Chick-fil-A because I thought I was going to have a vaginal birth and I thought I was going to do it on Pitocin. And I thought they were going to feed me ice chips. And I was like, I don't know why I still thought I was having a vaginal birth because I, I don't know. I just, you, didn't, you were kind of in shock. And I just was like, I don't want to be hungry, but I took one bite of one of their breakfast sandwich thingies. And I was like, "Mm, no. So I definitely, my body was, I don't know if it was like shock or nerves or what, but I could not eat. Uh, So then we were kid free. We went to the hospital. 
Now, one really special thing that I want to thank my friend, Jenny, who is a midwife and I'm so proud of her. She's going to become a certified nurse midwife here pretty soon. I'm very proud of her, but, um, she also was my doula with my third baby. And she also runs full moon circles in Gilbert every month. And I go to them faithfully, except for just recently because I had a baby, but I called my friend Jenny and it was like quite early in the morning and I don't think she picked up right away. And then I texted her. I was like, we're on the way to the hospital. And then she called me back. Uh, I'm pretty sure she was like, can we talk about this later? Like, but she didn't know what I was calling for. And then when I told her, she's just called me right away. So I tell her what happened and she's like, you know, it sounds like a placenta partial rupture or, or a placental rupture. And it's very likely they're going to want to at least talk about having a C-section. And I think you should know that. And I just wanted you to know that to prepare. So it was like my heart sank, but at the same time, at that point, I was just focused on being safe and getting baby out as we do. So things got really simple, right? Like they were less emotional. And because of that, let's talk about trauma. People have been asking, oh my gosh, you know, typically when you hear an emergency C-section, you just assume there's going to be some pretty intense trauma. And I am certain that there is, well, let's, first of all, let's define I want to talk about how I define trauma. We've heard people say big T trauma, little T trauma. I don't love that way of talking about trauma because every individual's nervous system due to its own sensitivity and due to the various, various, various myriad of life experiences we can all have. I just, I don't like to define anyway, but the way I define trauma is basically when you are not able to process the emotion that is real for you in that moment. You, It's more emotion than you can process in that moment. And not only is it that you might not be able to process it, but it could be that you don't have the time to process it. It could be that you don't have the emotional safety with the people and providers that you are around at that moment. So there could be various reasons. It, it might not be that you're not it's not that you're not capable of processing it. For me, I, I genuinely feel like I, I'm very capable of processing emotion, but things were happening very quickly. And my main priority was resting. As soon as I knew I was going to have a, a C-section, I tried to sleep for a couple hours so that I could rest up because that's a huge piece of surgery on your body. And I just knew that rest would be the best thing I could do for my baby. Also, I was trying not to be anxious and I was just going into my, I put some music on, I followed my breath. I kind of went in and out of some snoozy sleepiness my husband took a couple ridiculous pictures of my big belly because it was the last time I was going to have it and probably ever have a belly. And so, yeah, it was kind of a sweet couple hours. The reason we waited a couple hours is because the anesthesiologist felt very strongly. And I honestly, I didn't feel maybe as strongly as him because I was pretty eager to get the baby out because my placenta had ruptured and we didn't know how much it had ruptured. And there was, you know, I wasn't like reg- like bleeding, 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 but there, there had been some blood and it was not like my water broke. It wasn't that. It was straight, you know, B-L-O-O-D. Sorry. I don't like to keep saying it. I don't want to traumatize anyone, but yeah. So, um, I just went ahead and focused on resting. We got blood in from wherever they had to transport for it in from a lab of somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if it was a different hospital or where, but it took a couple hours. And by the time it got there, everybody was in their scrubs ready to do surgery. And I think for sure the scariest part for me, the most emotion was when they were wheeling me into the OR. Um, 
And just for a minute, they needed me to be without my husband to do the anesthesia. Once they did that, then they brought him back in. So I was maybe five minutes without him or seven minutes. Um, but I didn't love that. I didn't love that at all. <laughs> I, I would have liked him to be there. But I'm really good at chatting with people. And I had no problem asking people if I could hold their hands. I The nurses um, took some pictures for me. I had chosen. I During that two-hour break before the C-section, my husband and I put together a small little playlist list, right? It wasn't like I had this nice long playlist that I had planned. Those were things I was still planning on doing in the five days leading up to my planned induction. So we kind of just pieced it all together, but we got the basics. We got the most important stuff. And then he got to come in. And of course they numbed me up. We did the C-section. It was glorious to be able to be awake and not be completely not there. I My heart goes out to any mama who had to go under complete full anesthesia and wasn't able to be awake when her baby was born. I can't imagine the grief that might come with that. That was like the one thing that consoled me. And if you didn't get to have that, then I love you and I am sorry. And I want you to know that you can always connect with your baby if you want to and are determined to, it's possible. And if you aren't, if anybody, not even just C-section moms, but if anybody's not feeling connected to your to their baby, I want you to know that we can work on that and I can help you. So definitely come come talk to me. The show notes always have the place where you can book um, sessions and come come talk to me. So yeah. Anyway, um, I was able to be there and hold Ren in my arms, but not right away. And that was kind of a bummer too. And it's not like we got to do sweet little you know, skin on skin right away. Cause they needed to make sure she was okay. Cause she was so early. And that was always my beef with the hospitals is like, they whisk the babies away and do all, you know, get their boogers out and rinse them off and they hand them to you. And they're like, Oh, aren't you so happy? We got your baby all clean. And I'm like, no, actually I like the boogies all over and I want to smell her and I want her, I want to get all slimy with her. Okay. <laughs> but this, um, hospital, it was Banner Ocotillo and they were so good about, um, not being like that. And they did tell me like, because it's a C-section, we're not going to be able to give it to you right away. But it is one of our first priorities as soon as you get back into your room is for you guys to snuggle and stuff. And we totally did. And it was amazing. (sighs) And if I had had a vaginal birth, they totally would have let me do that right away. They were very, very holistic friendly at that hospital. So I really recommend it. It's in Chandler. It's very new, very clean. I like it a lot. Anyway, Banner Ocotillo. So that is kind of the main events of the birth story. I think that's part one. It's gotten really long. In part two, I'm going to take you through my three nights in the hospital and some very interesting experiences that I had with some PTSD, some anxiety. I am excited to share that with you because those are the challenges that I overcame differently this time than I did in the past. In the past, they escalated. And in this time, I was able to calm myself, but it wasn't quite easy. And I had to kind of pioneer my way through it and figure it out in real time. And I'm really proud of how I did it. And I want to share it with you so you can get a glimpse of the possibilities of what it can be like. If you've had a really traumatic birth experience, if you've had really bad mental health crises postpartum, I want you to know that there is a way to work through it and unburden yourself so that you are not only confident and brave enough to have another baby and be postpartum again, but you could actually thrive. I do consider myself thriving right now. There's still some birth integration I want to do. I'm going to work with Jenny. We're going to do some shamanic sessions and we're going to make sure that um, I'm feeling connected to baby. I mean, I am feeling connected to her, but we're just going to kind of run through that day and and make sure that my body gets the chance to uh, scream. I have wanted to scream. I didn't get to scream. Like, are you kidding me? They're like, you're going to have to have a C-section. I would have loved to be like, no! 
like I would have just, oh, like my whole body was just ragey about it. Like, oh, there was nothing I could do though. It was done. It was the path forward. It's what needed to happen. And so I'm so excited to be able to like process some of that stuff. But I am so, so, so grateful that for the last five years, I've been working on expanding my capacity to process emotions because it minimized the amount of trauma that I have from this experience. Because remember, trauma is defined, at least how I define it, and I've heard others define it this way as well, is when you are past your ability to cope with an emo- with the amount or the level or the whatever intensity of the emotion that's with you. And I have a very big ability to cope now because and process because I know how to move things through my body in real time. I know when I need to pause and delegate and push things off in order to process emotion that's present for me. And so I was able to kind of grieve and process as I went. And so there hasn't been a lot of buildup in the postpartum phase. And I'm really excited to share more about how I did that. So make sure you tune in next week. Make sure you follow you guys, please. I feel like a YouTuber. Make sure you press that bell. Make sure you... Oh, I'm so sick of hearing that. <laughs> this summer on YouTube kids. I'm like, yeah, but make sure, I mean, be sure that you follow the podcast, AKA subscribe. It's called follow now. And please do leave me a review. I would so appreciate that because you know what, right now there are so many women sitting in the darkness of their nurseries or whatever their closet, wherever they have their baby, they're rocking that baby. And they're feeling sad and insecure about their bodies. They're crying over mastitis. They're crying over not being able to nurse. I didn't get to breastfeed the way I wanted to because she came out small and with a lip tie and all these things that I'm going to tell you about. And there are women who need support right now. They're feeling anxious. They're having intrusive thoughts. They're feeling depressed and they need you to leave me a review on my podcast so that the algorithm can bring my podcast to them and they can have hope and they can have healing. So please do go write a review. Leave me a written review. I will read it. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week. So I just recently had my fourth baby and I have so many ideas of new ways that I want to do things when it comes to serving you guys, postpartum women. I'm thinking everything from Marco Polo groups based on how far postpartum you are to new courses. I have so many ideas and I'm going to want your feedback in what you guys want and any offers that I have are going to be coming to you on my email list. So make sure you're subscribed. Go to lizzylangston.com, grab one of my free courses or my free meditations that'll get you on my email list so that when my new stuff comes out, you can get your hands on it and come work with me. lizzylangston.com. Link is in the show notes. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.